Talk Money to Me is a financial podcast produced by Transglobal. All opinions expressed by the host and guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Transglobal. This podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as basis for investment decisions. Hey everybody, welcome to Talk Money to Me, where we talk about money and how it affects you. I'm your co-host, Jonathan, and I know a little bit about finance. And I'm your other co-host, Tracy, and I know almost nothing about finance. We have two wonderful guests with us today. I'll go ahead and let them introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Franklin Su, uh, Chief Investment Officer for a company and uh, 20 years of veteran experience. Hi, my name is Daniel Wang, and I'm a financial advisor. Great. Let's go ahead and jump into our topic today, which is traditional investments, equity, aka stocks. Equity is a term that we don't usually hear. So could you explain what exactly is equity? Is it the same thing as stocks or is there a little bit of a difference? So you buy a stock to have equity. They're the same thing, but just a stock is the name of the thing that we can buy. So essentially what equity is, is it's just a percentage of ownership of something. In this case, when you're buying a stock, you're buying a percentage of ownership of the company. For example, like Apple. If I'm buying an Apple stock, I'm buying a small percentage. I'm owning a small percentage of Apple. So if Apple were a pie, we would just have a piece of that pie, basically. That piece of pie is yours to keep to represent your ownership of of Apple. So what does it mean when people say that they um, like I've bought a piece of pie, right? And I've now eaten it. It's gone. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just kidding. But what what does it mean when people say they can make money off of stocks? Well, the idea of owning a portion of the company is you're hoping to benefit from the company doing well. So just giving everyone an example, I remember back in uh, the days, and I'm going to date myself for saying this, but I remember uh, I was in the gym and I started seeing people wearing this uh, white, they're carrying this white music mp3 player with white earphones i mean obviously now we know what it is but back then it was something new so i started seeing more and more people uh carrying this product so then i I, one day i was out of curiosity i went up to the guy and i said hey uh what is that mp3 player you're using what brand is it he said oh it's apple i'm like wow okay so i found out that apple was publicly traded and i said well you know if apple keeps selling these uh music players then their stocks can go through a roof because they can make a lot of money so the stock price usually goes up when a company does well sells a lot of products and then um i told my mother at the time and she said oh apple was one bankrupt right don't buy it it's a bad company so i just dropped the idea and obviously apple went from three dollars a share back in the early 200 2000s to now it's after a couple of splits, really pre-splits about $1,000. So if I bought Apple back in the days at that time, I could have made maybe a thousand times my money. When I buy that stock, I'm only getting a percentage of the company, but as the pie grows bigger, my percentage is the same, but the tangible amount, the nominal amount of the value goes up. So that's how people make money investing in stocks. Yeah, I guess it never occurred to me uh, as people when people were saying like, oh, $3 a share or $5 a share. I never thought about it as a percentage. And I guess that makes sense mathematically if the uh, the pie originally was like a small pie and then it became an extra, extra large jumbo pie that I bought a percentage rather than a dollar amount, 
then my slice of pie would get bigger with the whole pie. You're correct. But there's also risk in the market. And what kind of risk in the market? Well, what happens if you buy the pie and then someone just dropped the pie, right? And there goes your pie. Another thing could happen too is like if you say you bought a um, apple pie because you really like apple pie. Like um, an apple pie or an apple pie? Uh, like, an, like an apple, like the fruit pie. Okay. Okay. And then um, at the time, everyone loved apple pies. So the pie grew really, really big, right? And a lot of people wanted apple pie. But then a couple days later, everyone was like, you know, apple pies are kind of overrated. The new, tr the new trend is blueberry pies. And all of a sudden, nobody wants apple pies. And now you have this big piece of apple, of, of apple pie, but what are you going to do with it? Right. Oh, so it sounds like the value of the pie is also determined by the people who invest in it. Partly, yes. So the two components of this is really like what Frank said earlier, um, how well the company is doing. And the other part is kind of what the masses, what the investors think of the potential of the company. So let's say I, you know, do want to start getting into stocks and having equity. It's not something that I can just go down the street and be like, hey, here's my money go make money for me. So what's the process that an everyday person, an average Joe would have to do to get in? Uh, it's very straightforward. So you can go to any brokerage house, uh, for example, Fidelity, Schwab. What is a brokerage house? Uh, I would like to use an analogy. So brokerage house is sort of like Amazon, right? When you go on Amazon, you have to sign up for an account. And after you sign up for an account, you have to link your credit card to it, right? So if, essentially you can transact on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Then you can shop on Amazon to pick the products you want to buy. And also you can also you can be a seller on Amazon and sell uh, products on it. So a brokerage house is the equivalent of an Amazon, but allows you to buy and sell stocks. And they also have Black Friday deals then. They, <laughs> they have Black Friday deals when people are panicking like March this year, right? So for this brokerage house, um, because we live in a digital age, you're saying that it is only digital or there are places that I can go to with real people I can talk to or or is it just I go and I make an account and now I have to figure out how to buy stocks I mean when I go to Amazon I know what I'm looking for I know customer reviews I know that I, I know what specs I'm looking for when I'm buying a computer so what are sort of some things I should be looking for when I'm browsing stocks in your example when you said that you if you're buying a computer on Amazon you know what to look for right um, yeah. But if you're looking at a spec sheet of a computer and you're just, if you don't know what's going on and you read, hey, maybe I see a um, Intel i9, like 10900K, uh, 32 gigs of RAM, uh, a, a really nice GPU. But if you don't know what those terms mean, you, you don't really know what you're buying. And you <laughs> see all these fancy terms, you're like, oh, this looks good. But it might not be good compared to what's actually on the market. And this is the same thing with uh, stocks. You have to do a little bit of research to learn what these terms mean and to learn really what goes into the value of a stock. Uh, I think with all investors, whether you're new or in the middle path or older in experience, you all most likely will go through three paths. Uh, the first path is the study path. So at this point, you are just a piece of white paper, you don't know anything. So you're doing your best, you're learning everything. So I equate this to drinking water out of a fire hose, right? Ouch. I know, it's rough, trust me. But <laughs> but 
once you pass the first stage and you enter in the second stage is when you start realizing what works for you and what doesn't. So at stage two, you're doing addition by subtraction. You're eliminating all the things that doesn't work for you, doesn't fit your personality. And at this point, you will be making money, but then it's not consistent. And a lot of people give up at stage two, but I would say don't give up because once you pass stage two and enter into stage three, that's when you will be consistently making money. And the difference between stage two and stage three really is your emotional management, your EQ management, and also your bankroll management. Could you give us a little bit more detail as to what you mean by those terms? Sure. Let me ask you a question. Let's just say if I'm doing 10 questions and I got nine out of 10 wrong, is that a pretty lousy result for me? Uh, yes, I would say so. So with the same logic, if I pick 10 stocks, and right after I picked 10 stocks, nine of them goes down in value. And only one went up in value. In your opinion, do you think that seems like a, I'm a lousy stock picker? Yes, I would say. Okay. So that's what average people's mentality is. Okay, I have to pick a lot more right than wrong. My win rate has to be high. However, if you add in another element, which is the bankroll management, then everything changes. Let's just say nine out of 10 picks I lost money, but each trade, I only lost $1. So I told my total loss of the nine wrong picks are $9. My 10th trade, I picked the right stock and I made $100. So now what's my total gain or loss? $91. Exactly. So you can see that with proper bankroll management, I could be a lousy stock picker and still make money. But then the key is not to panic when I'm picking the wrong stocks and not to sell my winners too early when I finally got it. I think key there too is, uh, like what Frank said, is managing the bankroll, right? Uh, managing your emotional part of it. Just don't sell, don't think that, oh, after it, it'll recover. Like if I'm losing on a stock and I'm losing a dollar, don't say, oh, it might recover, I might still win, right? Set hard rules for yourself so that you can get out when, when you need to get out but also set rules for your ceiling saying, hey, if the stock is doing good, I don't, need to cut my, I don't need to cut my earnings off early. I can just kind of let it grow. I'm someone who really needs practical steps. I can't determine what kind of investing that I would want to do if I don't even know what kinds are out there. So maybe there's a pl starting place that you guys could recommend? Sure. Basically three areas where people can excel in, in terms of their investing style. So number one, there's a long-term investor. Uh, first person that comes to mind is Warren Buffett right? Their time frame is about years plus, right? Very, very long term. They don't lose sleep over a day's moving, stock price moving uh, average. The second group, uh, they're called the traders. So usually their investment time frame is about a couple months to a year or two. So they usually hold their investments for a couple months to a year. And the third group is called the day traders. Usually they go in and out within the day. And so first you have to determine which type you want to be. I encourage all the listeners to try each one out to determine which one fits your personality. And then once you determine which one fits your personality and your lifestyle, then the next step is to find all the famous investors within that group. And then that's how you enter in from stage zero to stage one. After you read how they do things, how they implement their strategies, then you can start learning knowledge. For me, right, I, I think I'm leaning towards investor uh, just because I'm such a high, I'm a risk averse person. 
And also because I don't have sort of the mental space to be constantly looking at how the stock market is, just not good for my anxiety, you know, mental wellness and all. If I'm looking at a bunch of stocks as someone who is risk averse, right? There's two options I can go. One is I can research a bunch of information about stocks. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't even know where to begin for that. So do you have any tips for where to begin in terms of looking into what stocks I might want to invest in? And then number two is, can I pay someone else to do it for me? If you're not interested in doing it on your own, there's definitely services out there that could do the work for you. However, you have to watch out for a couple of things. Number one, how are they managing it? Are they managing the risk properly? And number two, how much fees are they charging you? I think another thing too is that I think our each of our own risk adverse uh, definitions are are different. Um, so you might think you're risk adverse, but comparatively to someone else, you may not be. I think um, if you are if you call yourself risk adverse, but you're still interested in investing in the stock market, it might be worth to um, set a limit of how much you are willing to lose. So say if I'm only willing to lose $500, I'll invest only $500 in this brokerage account. And then um, if I lose it all, I lose it all. I'm willing to lose that. My recommendation is to start close to home. Start uh, with things that you understand, um, companies that maybe you use or products that you're familiar with, companies that you're familiar with. Kind of tune out the other white noise. Other, I know there are hundreds and thousands of different companies out there, but really focus on what, you, what you're interested in and what you already know as a kind of a launching point. When you say that we have to start with what we know, what what do you mean by that? Take me for example, when I first started investing, I felt like what Franklin described earlier, just kind of like um, drinking from a, a fire hose, right? So much information, so much to pick from. Um, but what I kind of narrowed it down to was, I was like, I use Facebook a lot. Um, I use Apple a lot and uh, I use Logitech. Right. I trust these companies. I know these companies are big companies. So um, I picked them for different reasons because, well, I mean, overall, I picked them because I use them. I have faith in that company itself and those companies themselves. So I put my trust in them and I invested in them. Um, but I also invested them for kind of different reasons, because for Apple, for example, I've always been kind of um, enamored by how their marketing strategy, how they've built um, this kind of cult following. Uh, Facebook, I've, I was really interested in how they kind of normalized using advertisements as a revenue platform because before them, really no one did that. Uh, I thought they were really innovative. Um, and Logitech, I kind of invested in um, because I think there isn't a lot of people in a lot of companies, a lot of big companies like Logitech that are in um, the peripheral space and for like computer tech. And I think that, I mean, as we can see from this work from home environment, um, this kind of industry is, is a growing industry. It's, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So I think there's room for growth there. So these are kind of things that I learned along the way after having invested in these companies. And let's face it, what's the purpose of us investing in the stock market? To make money, right? And why do we want to make money? Well, we have a certain uh, personal aspiration, life goals that we want to achieve. If you're about making money in the stock market, then you better make sure you treat it like a business, not like a casino. When you walk into a casino, there's kind of like two groups of people. There's 90% of the people who go there to bet and have fun. Uh, maybe they uh, blow on the dice before they roll it. Maybe their favorite color is black, so they only bet on black in the roulette, uh, roulette table. And then there are the select few who treat the casino as a business who might count cards or place bets based on an algorithm or based on numerical data that they're given at the tables or 
on the floor. Um, so if you're treating, if you're trying to earn money through investing in stocks, treat it as a business. Numbers typically don't lie. Uh, just follow, follow your, follow your strategy um, that you've developed based on your personality, your risk tolerance, your experience. Follow that those rules. So it sounds like there's a lot of information here, and I know that we're going to be able to tackle more of this stuff. Uh, in our future episodes, we had talked about things that we should start doing, you know, how to open an account, how to start getting into the market. We've talked about some things about what we need to keep doing, got to make sure that we're checking our emotional management and our bankroll management. Is there anything that we might need to stop doing? I think the emotional management is kind of the stopping point. Stop there. the stopping point. Yeah. Okay. Stop letting your emotions rule when to either pull out of a stock or enter a stock. Um, I think one of the mistakes that I've made a lot of is thinking, take Tesla, for example. I thought uh, Tesla pre-split at 700 was um, too expensive, so I didn't buy in. Lo and behold, it went all the way up to 2000 right? So I missed out on $1,300 worth of earnings because I thought it was too expensive. But if I, you know, maybe took the time to research a little bit more, I may have found something that could indicate it's actually worth more. So that was an example of kind of just relying too much on my emotions and my own personal feelings versus looking at the numbers, looking at the facts. Well, with that, I just want to thank our speakers once again for joining us today. And this brings us to the end of Talk Money to Me. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you very much. Bye.